Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. Does it seem scary to talk about race? How is racial tension similar to an uncomfortable Thanksgiving dinner? And what if the thing that would make a difference is much closer than we could imagine? Recently, I learned a very valuable lesson that I could actually talk to my black friends about their experiences instead of making assumptions and relying on the media or some ideological group to tell me what to say, think, or do. Having these individual conversations has been revelatory for many reasons, one of which was realizing again how much simply being curious and paying attention could have a huge impact. I learned that it was safe to ask questions and to simply listen, that I wouldn't be attacked because I was white or if I didn't get it politically correct. One of the conversations that cracked my world open was with my friend Mark Palmer. He's an author and corporate leadership consultant. And even though we've known each other for many years, I've never asked him about his experience as a black man because it didn't feel comfortable or safe. I'm glad that I finally did. After that first conversation, I asked him if he would be willing to record another one where we could explore this topic a bit further. I didn't know what to expect, but I'm glad we managed to share so many laughs along the way. Enjoy. I got zero agenda, like where this needs to go today. And I'm, I'm wide open, but if you're not comfortable with anything that comes out of this or you don't feel good about it, nothing's going to happen. Like I don't, you're not on the spot for anything. It was just another opportunity for us to connect. Uh, I just, yeah. I'm just laying that out there. And, and then if you've got something, I'm curious to hear where you were after that conversation we had the other day, like what, what's, what landed for you or what stuck with you? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, man, a, a lot. You know, it it just kind of reinforced for me the the fact that there needs to be more voices talking about this, because right now there's a few voices kind of owning the narrative or let's just say maybe one or two voices owning the narrative. And, you know, there's always other sides that kind of need to fill in the narrative. So at one point in time, you know, I was really deeply into, you know, cultural studies. So, you know, I was like 
cultural anthropology minor, you know, it's a behavioral studies background, that kind of thing. So, you know, this whole social psychology thing around, you know, uh, groups and, you know, sort of, you know, cultural competency and all this stuff, it's got a little bit in my wheelhouse, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, not like some obviously PhD in it, but, but it's been an interest of mine and I've, I've written about it over the years at length. So, but I've always felt like this is sort of the Achilles heel of everything, um, that you've got one or two voices sort of owning something and then you get this sort of reactionary wave in response to it. And, you know, um, a lot of things end up falling on deaf ears and the conversations don't meaningfully move forward. Um, so I, I think a lot of the shit that we see now, take for example, outrage culture, um, you know, call out culture, that kind of thing. Um, that's the result of the building of momentum of one voice, one narrative out there kind of owning what is culturally acceptable at any, any given point in time. And that's a moving target. And it's alienated a lot of people. A lot of people haven't been able to meaningfully have discourse around shit that's happening in the culture. And look, everything's accelerating. Everything's happening faster. I kind of keep my eye on that stuff. And, you know, I, I see similar stuff playing out in, com you know, really obviously sensitive conversations about race and about, you know, sex and gender, all, all sorts of, you know, really uh, fun stuff to talk about that people <laughs> love to fucking have dinner conversations around. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, there's something to that because, you know, right now the, the conversation is really zoomed out. But if we zoom back in, all this stuff's going on. We're looking at news. We're looking at social media. That's a, it's a, it's this funhouse mirror distortion <laughs> of reality. And there's a yeah. version of reality in there. It's, it's, but then it's going through the lens of, well, people need clicks, so they're incentivized to put things in a way where there's clicks and they're. Bottom yeah. line is, is a buddy of mine reached out, guy I've known since I went to college, black guy reaches out to me last weekend. is just like, what's up? I want to hear your perspective. I'm like, you want to hear my perspective on this wow. shit? <laughs> and, you know, we had a back and forth and we jumped on the call and, you know, it was like, oh, this is real. This is now I'm talking to a real person. I'm hearing about this person's singular experience. <laughs> it's just one piece in the puzzle. And it was so powerful for me. And then he wanted to hear my side of it. And it, it grounded the whole thing. It grounded mm -hmm. what this experience is. It's like, okay, now, now I've got a sense of what's happening in his life. He's got a sense of what's happening in my life. And it's safe to talk about this. Like you said, it's, it's whatever this narrative is or whatever. It's, it, I've personally, whether this has been true or not, is that I've not felt safe to ask you. I've known you for years. I'm not, I've not felt safe to ask these other guys, and this is on me, I take total ownership on this, but it's just like, well, if I ask things and I don't get it right, are you going to see me? Like, are you, is it going to expose how much of a racist dickhead I am? Right. There's like that, like, Oh shit. You're going to find right. out I've got a hood in my closet or something like, Oh, fuck. <laughs> like, if I don't get this question, right. There's a lot on the line. So let's just not go there. And I'll just act like you're not black and you'll just act like I'm not a, a kid, a guy that grew up from a family in the South. And we're just going to get along and act like none of this shit's going on. And, and, and so, um, anyway, I, my point is, is like, we're able to zoom in and I'm, I've been, I've had several of these conversations this week. One of them's with you and each one has been enlightening for both sides. Each one's been different. 
it's not there's been some yeah. some some things that have been the same throughout it but it's also just been like one's been several have been deeply personal like mm-hmm. one of my friends was like i don't know if i'm black enough i'm not throwing bricks through the window i'm, I'm worried i'm worried i'm gonna get called out right yeah and yeah. then there's other versions like, hey, look, this is how we're going to go up against this institution. I think we can do some things with business loans and, and mentorship and that kind of thing. And it's just so everybody's got a different take on this. And, and that's what's yeah. been enlightening for me is just that, all right, here's this big, huge thing. And now we can zoom in and actually have these conversations about it. So that's what I want to set a little context here is, as, as we talk about that. I'm curious for you if any of that lands or yeah, or how that lands. Absolutely. So the, the first big thing that lands for me, and and this is for me personally, and, you know, during the course of this conversation, uh, once again, I'm, I'm going to lean on the fact that there's a lot of different voices and obviously mine is my own take and my own voice, but I think you have to have a lot of different voices, but First and foremost, to have different voices, people people got to feel safe having a conversation. Uh, that's, I mean, this is psychology one on one with human beings, right? So let's let's blow this thing out at a hundred thousand feet. People fundamentally have to feel safe. Google did uh, a, a ton of studies on what what creates workplace success. And you know how many resources Google has, but but they put a lot of researchers on the case. And after a couple of years, they came back and they said, well, you know, they thought maybe it was like motivation or this thing or that thing. And the number one thing that they came back that people were concerned about at work was psychological safety, psychological safety. So. And what is that? Just so we are like, oh, OK, I get it now. What is, how do we know what psychological safety is? Yeah. So psychological safety is this, you know, it's this sort of underlying feeling that it's okay to be me. I'm not looking over my shoulder. I don't feel like somebody's gunning for me. Um, I don't have this sense that, you know, my defenses are up all the time, emotionally, uh, mentally, you know, um, I don't have to take a defensive posture. I don't have to tone myself down. Um, it's just this general feeling like, hey, this in this setting, whatever that setting is, you know, I can say things and I'm not worried about saying the wrong thing or um, I feel like I'm going to be accepted for, hey, my ideas are meaningful. I'm going to be able to speak my voice and my mind. I can be authentic here. Right. I can mm-hmm. be myself. Um, and, and so, you know, and and that's just one very concrete example, but I thought it was powerful because I, you know, in the course of this kind of conversation, it's huge. None of us can actually have a conversation unless we feel that fundamental sense of psychological safety. Like, like I can be me. I'm not going to say the wrong shit. Somebody's going to beat me up like, you know, like there's not this neo-fascist battering ram that's going to say, you know, an alarm's not going to go off and say, you said that wrong. You know, like, you know, uh, I, you know, I use my my white buddies as an example, you know, they're like, should I say black? Should I say African-American? Like, what what's the right thing to say? If I say people, I'm going to, oh, fuck, you know, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say so. So so it's this kind of stuff. And. So to have a conversation, so the, that's the first thing that lands for me. 
I know that there's a lot of different voices. Those voices will never, ever get heard if there's not this fundamental trust that I can be myself, that I, that I can say something and it's okay if I fuck it up. Like, I don't, I don't mean to fuck it up, but I, I might not just have enough knowledge. I might not know. Some of this is just exposure. I mean, I know guys I've met in college, they've never seen a black person before, you know, somewhere out in the middle of Iowa or, you know, Kansas or Nebraska or something. You know, they grew up in a small town, 700 people in a stoplight. They've never seen a black person in life except wow. on TV. So a lot of this sometimes is just about exposure. So we have to give each other a lot of grace. You know, this is sort of where I'm coming from in this. It sounds like there's an, an inherent, like, I'm going to come from a place that you're, that you are coming from a healthy, curious place instead of. I'm assuming you're on the bad side and you're out to get me or you're coming from that. It's like, I'm going to see the best in this person. I'm going to give this person, uh, even if, if they don't get quote, get it right. I'm assuming they're coming from a, from a, their, their intention is to do well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, you know, listen, I take the view that fundamentally all human beings want the same thing, right? We have the same need structure, right? You know, we need physical safety, you know, we want closeness, togetherness. We 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 want some type of healthy achievement to make meaning in our lives. We all want the same shit. So if I start there, um, and that that's a workable situation, right? Mm -hmm. That I think that that type of groundwork anchors grounds everything. Um, it sets the tone for the conversation. Then I can afford to be curious, right? I can afford to meet people where they are because I know fundamentally that. They're a human being and they want the same things that I do. And, you know, something you said about even your conversation with your buddy and about there's an intensely personal aspect to this is that it's a lot of this stuff of having the conversation is humanizing the experience of, in this case, it's race. It's humanizing it. Um, if we don't humanize it, then, then none of us can get out of this sort of shame spiral and, and have a real conversation. If it's just about groups, if we just keep it to a, a group historical, you know, uh, kind of dynamic, then none of us can actually have a real conversation. So part of this is just humanizing it. Um, and humanizing it for me involves understanding already that what really grounds us is that we really all fundamentally want the same things. Um, so that's, I go in with that and that helps establish a space where we can have a conversation and real voices start to come out of that. I think that's what you experienced, but I know it's what I experienced. I know it's what I've experienced over the years and, and these few conversations that I've had about race in recent weeks, um, when that space is created and it's off the floor, man, it's a different conversation. And for the first time, you hear how people feel on the other side. And also, you know what? It gives me room to talk about some of my fear and some of my shame, right? I mean, in some way, we're all, we're dealing with shame on, on both sides of the spectrum, right? Um, what do you see specifically? What I see is with conversations I have with, you know, with my friends who are, who are not black, you know, um, my white intimates, brothers, sisters, um, what I see is that I feel that initial trepidation, 
right? There's just sort of this feeling that the historical impact, you're complicit in it. I think that's part of the shame or I'm not going to get it right. Or at some level, what I see in my white friends is is a, a sort of ownership of being sort of a perpetrator in what's been, you know, kind of, you know, the historical root mm-hmm. of, you know, just just a very again, not uh, and I'll I'll quote a uh, a Princeton professor in this. And he said, look, America's not unique in its ills. It's not unique in its sins or evils. It's just still denying it, basically. Um so part of this for me is what I see as a process of just coming to grips with like, look, I feel some kind of way. I don't know how to I don't know how to get this out, um, but I feel a little bit guilty. I feel a little bit shameful. And you know what? I want for my voice. I want to be able to meet that um, with a lot of compassion, because, again, it's a it's a human thing. Um, and it also, you know, it also brings for me that. Well, I, I have some shame, too, that I want to talk about that. I bet white people never knew that maybe a lot of black people have of, hey, man, I don't want to stick out. You know, I get embarrassed when uh, I see some kind of behavior out in the in, in culture and I'm with my white buddies and I'm like, oh, fuck, this is so stereotypical. You know, I'm like, oh, man, God, now, you know, now I got to deal with this now. Now I got the awkward look like uh, don't like, associate oh. me with this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And black people among themselves sometimes will joke about that, but but it's a real thing. But you you know you don't joke about it with your white buddies typically. Mm-hmm. Now I do have some you know I'm I'm pretty off the, you know I've got some off humor, so I, I can have conversations like that generally. So me personally, I'm kind of comfortable in that kind of conversation. I've, over the years, I've just had those conversations. Yeah. But um, but I know on the other side, the trepidation coming from a white audience of wanting to have this conversation. They just don't want to be beat over the fucking head. And so, and look, I hate scorekeeping of, ah, they didn't get it right. Uh, You you weren't, you didn't do enough. You know, you you weren't sincere enough yet. I fucking hate that. I hate the scorekeeping because listen, a lot of people, especially generationally older, they grew up in they grew up in very, very entrenched, you know, more racially charged uh, arenas. And, you know, they've come to where they've come to. That's where they are. And so. I'm of the mindset, look, people are doing their best to try to meet this. is This is a lot of fucking change happening in 20 or 25 years. It just is. That's the reality. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I'm, I'm so. I'm somebody that deals with the reality where things are, right? Let let's work with let's work with the constraints that we have. Let's work with the fact that on both sides we feel a sense of shame. Um, you know, that we feel a sense of guilt together because of this pink elephant in the room. It you know, it's very triggery. It's a scary conversation. Let's acknowledge that. Look, it's a scary conversation. But if we kind of make a pact together that we can let it rip because we know we're just trying to understand each other. That that's a good anchor. That's a good foundation. So I don't like scorekeeping. You know, I don't like, um, you know, I, I don't like anything that's not going to serve that space for us to be able to to have that psychological safety. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that the scorekeeping is part of the process? If I've been hurt, if I'm scared, if I'm pissed, I'm not in a curious place, right? I'm in that activated place. I feel righteous. 
I've been wrong. This is on both sides. This is right, where right. I've been hurt or I've been scared. You know, I'm fearful on both sides. That's where we, what we see when we turn on this stuff. A lot of this is, this is what people do when they're hurt or scared. Yeah. This yeah. is how they act. This is on it both is sides. How they act. That's you right. Put on, you put on police armor and you put on masks and you, and you carry a baton on the other side. You put on another mask and you throw shit at people. It's just like, this is what we do when we're hurt or scared. This is not what happens when, our, when we're curious. Like, well, tell That's me about right. you. I want to hear that stuff. Do you see that as part of the process? And I, I've often wondered this is like, well, maybe it's 20 years of just burning everything down. And then everybody, then there's a thing like, oh, maybe now I can listen to you because I've, got, I've had my turn to inflict this pain. It's been my turn now. Yeah, I think I definitely think that it's an expected part. Like if, if I look at this like a like five steps of grief or trauma, because honestly, I look at this whole thing as trauma. And so the first step of trauma is just is sort of expected. And, you know, in, in many cases when there's been real harm done, um, there's this there's this sort of reactive backlash. There's this anger. It's just pure anger. And I do think that that's part of the process. But I also think it's important that at the same time that there's anger, that anger isn't the only voice. Um, Hannah Gadsby, she's a, uh, a comedian out of Australia. And she did a series on Netflix. Uh, actually, it was just one show. It was called Nanette. And it was about her experience with sexual violence and coming out uh, you know, as a lesbian. And uh, she said something really fucking powerful at the end because her, her routine was way different. And a friend encouraged me to look at it. And I was like, yeah, I'll take a look at it. You know, I like comedy stuff. Um, and it was the most different thing I've ever seen in in the rubric of comedy. But what stood out to me is that she raged for a section of that of that routine about her experience. It was just pain and it was anger. But she didn't end it that way. She didn't end it that way. She said, I don't want anger to lead the narrative because she said just as powerful as humor is, anger is just as powerful. And anger is it's like fire. It, it lights up, it ignites. So my thing is that I think it is a an expected natural part of a response to trauma. In this case, it's historical trauma over many years, but it can't be the only voice. It can't be the only voice in the room because at some point, if that's the only voice, then that dominates the narrative. And then you can't grow, you can't heal. Right. Can't move on. Right. So I think some other voices have to come in to be also begin modeling healing. There's enough people doing the anger part, and I think they do a good job of doing the anger part and and dealing with the past and coming to grips with the the atrocity of it all. Right. That that voice is is well established. And I think that voice plays a part. But there also has to be a voice that's looking ahead. Right. That's going, okay, now how do we come to grips with this and move forward? And some people have to start modeling that voice because some people are in that place. Um, you know, I think for me, if I'm speaking personally, again, I have a humanistic perspective. Um, you know, I, I've done a lot of my own inner work. So I look at things differently. 
maybe my voice can help model some of that along with others um, in the moving for in the looking ahead. Mm-hmm. So there are people that help us come to grips with the past. And that, that's been the prevailing voice. That's been the dominant voice in this thing, right? Yeah. And help us, and again, support because it helps us make sense of our shared past as black and white. It helps us make sense of our shared past as, you know, foundationally this this sort of racial undertone is, 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 is American as apple pie, um, as stark as that is to hear. But there also has to be these voices saying, but what's ahead? What about now and what's ahead? So, so I'm interested in that. Well, let's so go. I, I want to, before we get into that, I want to, I, I think of a, a really one that one thing that's coming up for me is, is that there's a difference between anger and aggression. What I've learned and, and check me here if, if this doesn't fit for you, but anger is that response for when we've been hurt or we've been scared or we have deep mm-hmm. concern, right? It's that God damn it. You know, it's that, it's that. Right. I can't believe this shit. I've had enough of this shit. It's, it's that expulsion mm-hmm. of that. The aggression is picking something up and now I'm going to diminish you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to take something away from you. I'm going to mm-hmm. tear you down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this verbally. I'm going to do this with shame. I'm going to do this physically. Eye for an eye. Those right. two things are separate. Mm-hmm. And anger can be really scary, but I think if we knew that when you come back to safety, if there's this place like anger is welcome, aggression is not. If you're going to come after me, you're going to try to hurt me. That's where people are armored. That's where people are armored. And this conversation is that if I get it wrong, you're going to be aggressive towards me. You're going to try to tear me down. You're going to humiliate me or you might physically come after me. Yeah. And I, I think that we've got a lot more space for anger when we understand that aggression is not going to be part of it. We start to parse those two things uh, apart and see them as separate. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I, I and I agree with you. I think they're obviously two separate things. And some of what I see is also, though, the fear that aggression may come out. Exactly. More more than actual aggression itself. I actually don't see by and large, if I look at this. You know, if I look at this at a macro level, I don't see much aggression coming from black folks. Um, But what I can see from white folks is probably the perception that aggression is going to come. Yes. So if that there's any anger at all. And look, I get this. It's a white person. I, I, I don't know if I can hold that anger. Mm hmm. That's a lot of, I mean, there's, right, that's a tidal wave of fucking anger coming out of that. Yeah. But from the black side, honestly, black people are like, I just want you to actually say, yeah, I understand. That's fucked up. That's really what most black people want. They don't want the denial. That didn't really happen. Did that really happen to you? Well, that was a long time ago. Well, it's it's not allowing even two seconds of exasperation that I think frustrates a lot of black people. It's invalidating their experience. Exactly. I mean, I've had black friends say to me, it's like, look, man, like, I don't want to be a victim here. I don't want to lay in victim. I just don't want my white friends to say that's, that didn't happen or just bypass and not just let me be frustrated for like two seconds. That, that, that's it. And again, because there's the perception that the hammer's coming on the other side. Mm -hmm. 
And I can understand that. I can understand that. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like with your woman, you know, you you know, you did something to hurt her and you're like, oh, fuck, she's going to lose it. So you immediately go into smooth in mode like, oh, no, no, babe, 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 I got some it. flowers. I got it. Yeah, I got some flowers. <laughs> like you don't want to do <laughs> You don't want to deal with that shit. You know, you immediately go and like, okay, I'm going to cover that shit up. No, 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 no. And I think that's part of why it's so scary to have the conversation. Um, black people don't want to feel like if I say this, they're just going to think I'm being a fucking victim. And I'm not a victim. You know, I just, this is like, I'm tired of this shit. Yeah. So I just, I just want to have a little voice in that. So they don't want to say anything because they're like the person that I don't want, I don't want to make a stink. Right. I don't want to I don't want to upset the apple cart. So on that end, you've got that. And on the other end, you know, on the, the probably the white person's end, it's like, oh, my God, I know they're going to be fucking pissed at me. They're just going to come at me. I, I feel horrible, man. I, You know, it just I, I don't think I can have this conversation. I'm not ready to have this conversation. So I, I so there's almost this kind of two these two perceptions. And sometimes I think a lot of times that's a that's a big barrier, too. Yeah. It's just that the perception of what the others like this person won't be able to receive me. So, you know what? I'm not I'm just not going to go there or this person's going to be too angry at me. It's going to turn into aggression. So, you know, I'm just not going to go there either. And so it's just pink elephant in the room. It's I love that you brought it back because I see this as a familial relational thing, right? Like it's just right, like it's the right. same thing. Mom's mad at me or my woman's mad at me or my exactly. dad's mad at me. It's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to armor up. I'm going to act like this didn't happen. Or I'm going to, in the back of my mind, I'm already coming up with my excuses or my comebacks totally. or well, you, you do this and you did that. Like it's all totally. this stuff <laughs> happening. Or we're just going to go to Thanksgiving and grit our teeth and act like nothing's talking. We're just, <laughs> yeah, everything's great. And meanwhile, at any moment it could go off. Like it's Exactly. I can't believe you voted for that motherfucker. Like it could just go in any direction. <laughs> and it, it just seems like, well, if you, we could expand this dynamic out there. It's like, we can't joke about anything. We can't have a misunderstanding about anything. We can't connect about anything. We can't talk about anything. So, so put on true. the football game. We'll just watch football this afternoon and we'll just, oh, oh shit, that dude. motherfucker took a knee. <laughs> Damn it. <We> <laughs> <laughs> We just wanted to watch the game so we wouldn't have to talk about shit. Oh. But that's it. It's like we everything's fragile. It becomes really yes. fragile at that point, and it's any misunderstanding turns into lighting that powder keg and opening up all of that anger. But I, I think it's part of like how many families grow up with emotion not being okay. Like, yeah. don't cry, don't cry. Shut up yeah. before I give you something to cry about. Like, don't get angry with me. Like, it's just not okay for people to have their emotions instead of emotions happen they come they go they settle down um yeah. and then start to see it's it's helpful to see that that at least from your perspective it's not hey great we just want the opportunity to go burn everything down <laughs> dude you you illuminated something really huge which i think gives us all the ability to relate to both sides is taking it to the family situation and understanding we know everybody has these dynamics in their family. So so to treating this or at least understanding it through that lens is, man, I think that's huge. I, I, I think that's absolutely huge. That's a that's a big part of kind of starting to get our arms around why it's so hard to have this conversation in the first place. You brought something up that's huge, which is that the way as as cultural conditioning as society 
that we deal with emotion, which we learn from our families, right? Which is basically not to deal with emotion. So then, you know, you you blow that out on a, you know, on a social scale to something like race. Well, we, of course we can't have the fucking conversation. We can't we can't deal with the elephant in the room in our own families, right? Yeah. We're 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 trained to suppress, um, get we're trained to suppress that stuff. Or so lie, we, or we, you know, or lie. Absolutely, yeah. come back with the defense. Like you said, I got my comebacks ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Um. So we can't get along at fucking Thanksgiving. How the hell do we start? So it's almost like coming to grips with the gravity of that. I think, and I think that's not a hopeless situation. I think that creates some lightness because we all can relate to it. Yeah. And then we can all appreciate on the other side how fucking hard it is, how difficult it is. Because if we can start to appreciate how difficult it is for all of us to have this conversation, we can start to have some levity around it. In the same way that you see a comedian talk about, oh, yeah, I went home for Thanksgiving. And everybody, everybody immediately starts laughing at the shit because you know, yeah. right? So there's some lightness about it that that – and we, we need that, too, to have the conversation. It creates safety. It creates it creates like, whew, OK, all right. This is this. Maybe this won't be a total shit show. You know, maybe, you know, maybe we're not going to go to blows. You know, uh, yeah. maybe we can have this conversation. I can be I can be a little clumsy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like and then how do you solve problems in your in your family? Because ten tendency is like you might distract yourself and not talk about things in your own family system, but you might, you know be vocal about other things, but you actually hide things in that, or you might right. be, is it that you seek to dominate everybody in your house? Is that how things get done? Or do you have yeah. compassion and forgiveness or is it a stalemate? Like typically that's what we're going to explode out into this world. It's like, well, this is the way to deal with it. And yeah. it's not yeah. working. I mean, typically what has things move is you sit down, both sides are heard. There's some stuff that gets worked out and what are we going to do about this? And uh, maybe I don't want to see you until Thanksgiving. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to see you either until Thanksgiving. <laughs> But that's okay, you know. Like, but that's okay. That's okay. But that's okay. Yeah. 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 And what you said there is huge. I think almost every everybody needs to hear that. Like, look, um, we may decide, you know what? We're too we're too hurt right now. Um, we're in sort of the victim perpetrator kind of kind of dynamic where, you know what, the pain is still too fresh for me. The defense is still too fresh for me on both sides and we'll just, Hey, listen, we're going to keep talking, but right now we're going to sit it out a little bit. That's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I think what you highlight there is important because we're going to have to, we're going to have to sort of micromanage this process of communication for the voices that want to, that are, that have the capacity to start looking forward. In addition to people that are helping us come to grips with our shared past, right? Yeah. The people that are going to have to start moving the conversation forward are really going to have to facilitate this this in the trench conversation, like a therapist does trauma victims, yeah. right? Because there's trauma on both sides, right? So there have to be voices that voices on both sides, obviously, voices all over that can facilitate the conversation and understand that. It's not about coming to this transformative resolution outcome. We're all singing Kumbaya. It's just starting to let each other's voices be heard one and then go through a process of just trying to understand each other a little bit, just a little bit at a time. That's a win. That's a big fucking win. If both sides actually have conversations and say, Hey, you know what? 
this is how I grew up. I never trusted white people. You know, you're the first white I've had this conversation with like, hey, you know, I never saw a black person in my life. You know, I thought all black people were criminals, you know, coming up and I, you know, you're, oh, okay. Okay. Say that, that should, we should be allowed to say those things because that's part of our real experience, part of our narrative. It, it's freeing, right? It's freeing for everybody. And then something can start to happen out of that because you start realize, wow, like, you well, you want the same shit I do. You're just like me. You like you like golf too. Right. Oh, yeah. I like, I, oh shit. And then real stuff starts happening. And, and again, starts humanizing the thing, right? And these are huge wins. Being herds a win. Getting to know each other's a win. Like, you know, if if look, human beings are just, you know, we we we've got issues just generally as a species. So nobody in the world singing kumbaya. Yeah. You know. That's an aspirational goal. So let, let's let's properly set our expectations and and get meaningful wins with each other. Because um, look, this is an experiment. Look, and it, well, you should appreciate the experiment too. No human, no human society up to this point on, on the planet is doing the work globally that we're all doing to understand each other and accept each other now. So we 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 got it. And again, this is my perspective as a, as a as a humanist type of guy. We got to appreciate the enormity of what we're also trying to do, because, you know, we've been a shit show for most of our history. And, and look, look, we're coming out of an animal consciousness and trying to figure out who we are. And, you know, you, yeah. we've got a story past. So we're doing something big. We got to appreciate that. I love that you brought that up. And I love that you brought how essentially what I was hearing you say is that it's it's just messy and it's going to be messy. I've talked to people that if their relationship, whatever they're in, if it is uncomfortable, if there is something that they don't feel comfortable talking about, then the relationship's over. Like in their mind, the expectation is the relationship should just be smooth sailing and you shouldn't have any problems. Yeah. That's a consciousness. That's a level of consciousness, especially as people do more and more relationship via text. And it might seem tangential here, but I want to point it out is that we're training ourselves to create this crazy fever dream of an idea of an assumption of an expectation of what relationship is, which relationship is we're going to have some bumps in the road and we need the tools to be yeah. able to deal with them yeah. instead of, well, there's some bumps in the road. We must, we've failed. It's like, no, you didn't fail. This it's is sad. just relationship. This is just <laughs> relationship. When the going gets tough, we, we get curious with one another instead of, uh Oh, well, this must, we, we messed it up hit the reset button. Um, I, I, I think that's a huge <laughs> assumption to address or an expectation because it seems like it should just be a fucking rom-com all the time where everything's happily ever after. <laughs> and that's the only way, you know, you got quote the one or that relationship is working right. instead of no, when a relationship is tough, we, we, we deal with it. We talk about it. We go in there and, and, and we figure this stuff out because we value this relationship and because God damn it, we're going to have to sit next to each other at Thanksgiving at the very <laughs> least. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're you're dead on, man. You're 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 dead on. You know our our fundamental as individuals, our fundamental relationship with relationship itself is a big determinant of our ability and capacity to move forward. And like you said, if if a lot of this is is having the tools and developing the tools so that we can have set real, realistic expectations and have a healthy 
container to develop together in, in this relationship. We're here. This is us. This is what this country is. Nobody's going anywhere. The planet's full. There's, you know, there's seven and a half billion fucking people. Look, this is where we are. So we need tools to be able to relate to each other in a way that's meaningfully, but also got to have proper, you know, we have to have, we have to set proper expectations. So I like what you point out in terms of, you know, how we relate in general to intimates, to, you know, to family members, to friends, the same tools that we use to better relationships, the same inner work that we develop to create, you know, good communication and foster meaningful dialogue. Those same things are going to come to bear in this conversation on on race and um, and policing and uh, understanding culturally that there that there are different voices, being able to allow those voices and not, you know, have to control and own the narrative. So mm-hmm. we need those same tools here, too. So it, it wasn't a tangent at all, man. I think it's a brilliant point. I think it's a brilliant point. And I think that's why that's why. Uh, you see thus far the way that sort of race and culture has been treated. And I think this is why at this point we're starting to see a really meaningful change is because I think there's been enough broad exposure to these tools. And so I think some of this, a lot of people are going, well, wait a minute, maybe we just need to listen. Maybe we all just kind of need to listen right now. Maybe, maybe, you know, some of the stuff that we absorb out in the broader culture, like good listening, stuff that people value, like in corporate culture, corporate values, oh, curiosity, listening. This shit wasn't around 20 years ago. We weren't talking. We weren't talking at a cultural scale like we are right now about these kind of values. And now we are. And I think that's making a difference. So this this past week for me, I've had four or five conversations that I never thought I would have. Hmm. Never thought it would be safe. Never thought it'd be okay. Always assumed that if I talked to you or some of the other black men in my life, black friends, people I've known for years, that it would, I would just, it would just be assumed like, yeah, you're part of the problem. You probably got slave owners in your past. Your father was in life, was in law enforcement. You are the problem. And so it's like assuming that if I open that door, that I was going to have to sit there and take shit like just yeah. have knives thrown at me for a long time. And just, I, I, I didn't really, it wasn't a conscious assumption, but what it did was it, it had me assume that it just had me, uh, anytime I heard the, t- the topic come up, I felt myself getting defensive. Like here it comes. Yep. I'm yeah. a white man. This is, yeah. I'm from this type of heritage. Like here it comes. Like, and I could feel that defensiveness come up. I wasn't curious. This last week, I've been invited to be curious and, and go into that. You, you talked a little bit about modeling some behavior. I've gotten way more from these conversations than any of that, like I said, that funhouse mirror thing that's happening through the media Yeah, and actually just talking to people. And I know you don't speak for everybody. I don't know that each one of you doesn't speak for everybody, but it, like I said, it humanizes it. it. It feels like that, A, one, it's nuanced, but number two, it's humanizing Number three, it's just healings. Like, oh, we got another avenue of our relationship where, we, where it feels safe and it feels connected. There's the heart, yeah. heart is open in there. So I, I wanted to just see, that's my, that's my invitation for the listener. Is, is, and I want I to get your take on this. I want to get your perspective on this because it's scary on my end to do it. I can't imagine what it's like for you. 
to have those conversations or that is it, what's it like to have somebody come at you and say, Hey man, I want to talk to you about this. Like, why are you talking to me? You know, so like, <laughs> Oh, you want to talk to me? Cause I'm black. It's like, I'm not, well, yeah, actually. Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> so there's just all this loaded fear and assumptions and it's easy to go get my information from these websites and that's cool. But I want to add another layer to it, which is let's get in relationship. So you mentioned modeling behavior. I want to, I want to kick it back your way here. And, and what do you see possible here? And I want to make this as simple and easy as possible. What do you think would be a good, a good thing that we could handle, hand to some guys out there that are listening right now? You, you know, the, the, the fundamental thing, and, and you've been touching on it with your own experience is have real conversations and, you know, reach out to a buddy you played sports with, or you did music with, or, you know, uh, if you can, if you can have real conversations with people and before drawing your source from, you know, any of the number of uh, media outlets or websites, um, there's a lot of disinformation that there's, there's, there's no more immediate benefit than actually relating to another human and, and being able to start having that exchange at a human level and you start working that muscle of having this conversation at a humanistic level, because if you don't have this conversation at a humanistic level, then you can never start to branch out to get safe because in some instances, somebody's got to make the first move, right? So for me, for example, I've been very fortunate. I've been modeling this conversation my entire life. I've had white friends that have always felt comfortable with me to say, hey, man, what do you think about this? So I've, I'm very, you know, I've developed that muscle where if somebody comes to me and says, Mark, I'm kind of scared to ask just like, but just I felt like I can trust you. What, sh- what do you think about this? But they can come to me and know I'm not going to bite their head off. Because I've again, I've had conversations enough with my white friends, and I have those relationships where you know a lot of times I don't even look at them as white. It's it's when things like this come up that I even have that barrier in the first place. So personal relationships, if you have resource and, and access to them, um, are going to be your best thing. And if not, listen to a conversation like this. Listen to friends interracial friend kind of, you know, inter, you know, those kind of conversations where people on both sides are coming from a friendship. So that you, you know, you can start to template that. You can see what that looks like. You can start to feel what that looks like. There's no bigger thing than that. That's, that's the major step. I think mm-hmm. if you have, if you have friends on the, you know, that are black, for example, and you have a level of friendship, um, I think coming Coming to that person, if you want to have the conversation or ways to open up that conversation, I think there are some skillful ways we can do that, which is to say, listen, I just want to hear how you feel. So not coming at someone to get comfort, to get validation, um, but to just say, listen, I, the, here's the here's the goal. I just want to know. I just want to know how you feel, because like I said, a lot of black folks just want to be heard. And I'm not saying like they want to, you know, 
put down a soapbox and stand on it. It's just like, hey, I want to know what your experience is like. Just like, is it is it hard in your day to day? Because I don't know. But I care about you and I just want to hear what you have to say. Done. That's the goal of that whole interaction. That's it. Right. That's I don't have it. to fix it. I don't I can just I listen. I don't have to fix shit. And again, take it back to our all our personal experiences, you know, as you know, hetero guys um, with with our ladies, for example, you know, our tendency is to just like, oh, she's telling me some shit. Now I got to I got to go me. fix it. OK, listen, how to fix it. Pisses her off. Right. Most guys, most hetero guys know that. Right. Or 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 they at least are aware of it at some at some level. And that's their experience. It's the same way with black folks. It's just like, hey, I just want to know how you feel. And that's it. Don't have to fix it. In fact, get out of the fix it mindset and then that'll free up a lot there. And then you find that when you allow that kind of, uh, when you allow that black person just to sort of just say, hey, this is how I feel, that'll soften you up too. Hmm. It softens both people, right? It's, it's, a, it's a thing. It just, and then something else starts to happen. We all sort of mirror each other and affect each other. So the way we initiate a conversation can set the tone for real actual meaningful uh, dialogue, but also real ability to start to understand each other and closeness starts to happen. So if we can just come to a conversation, not with the defenses and the statistics about why shit's not real and it's different now, throw all that shit out just because you're not trying to fix shit. You're just allowing some people to actually voice very personal experiences. You wouldn't do that with a rape victim or a trauma victim or somebody that's had some really personal thing. You don't say, well, you know, well, I, I you know, I went through breast cancer. Well, you know, all cancers matter. Like, you, you know, you, we, we don't we don't do these things. We don't do these things with disease. We let people, you know, you see the stuff on ESPN, these, you know, these stories of triumph. Everybody can relate to that. And we all sit there and we fucking get teary eyed and go, no, I'm not crying. You're crying. Right. Because we're just because <laughs> we're just letting them hear. We're just hearing their story. It's the same type of attitude, man. It's just bringing that same thing. Hey, I want to hear how it is for you. And then it's not like, you know, you don't have to have the, that didn't really happen. You don't have to have the defensive comebacks because that's, that's about us, right? If our, we have defensive comebacks, it's, it's because it's, we have to start recognizing that, oh, maybe I'm not able to deal with that pain. I'm personalizing that pain. We don't have to personalize that pain. Right. We don't have to personalize that pain. We, we don't do it when we hear, you know, people overcome car accidents or injuries. We actually empathize. The empathy just comes out. But race is so charged that we immediately get on the defensive like, oh, here comes some shit's coming. Some shit's coming. But it's that same type of thing. It's trauma. It's a trauma experience. So we can say, hey, just, I just want to know how it is for you. Like, wow. Like, wow. I remember doing that the first time with I watched a video where. Uh, I think it was in New York, uh, a, a young woman hooked up like a GoPro or something to just go through her day every day. And guys were catcalling her all day, all day long. She just wanted to say, hey, I'm going to give you a first person experience of what it's like to be me. Because guys don't know. Dudes don't know. They're like, oh, that doesn't happen. You know, it's, uh, you know, you get, you get anything you want. You get favors. You get this. Man, that shit blew me away, man. Almost brought me to tears. It was just like, oh my God, that's, that's what you go through. 
And that changed even how I interacted with a lot of women because I was sensitive to that. And then I could ask questions. I didn't have to personalize that. Well, I'm not, I'm not that dude. I'm different. You know, I didn't have to go there. It was just like, hey, how, how are you? How was your experience? So it's it, developing that type of mindset, bringing that to a conversation that changes the whole tenor, man. That is, oh man, so much good stuff. Okay. So what am I hearing there? Cause it, it is different than just listening to someone talk about their trauma in a car accident or whatever. Right. Um, because we're talking about, it's easy to let this experience devolve into white versus black, black versus white. Right. And then that, so we're, we're naturally going to be in a place of, I got to defend what happened. Was it my fault or you, you, that didn't really happen or whatever that defense is. Or there's that guilt that jumps in, which is yeah. it's up to me now to apologize for the entire right. white That's race. Right. And I'm going to take it on now and I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to run my company and fix everybody in that way. Like there's this kind of, it, it, it means well, but it's, it's still taking it on. Right. And That's making right. it and personalizing it. Yeah. And what you're yeah. saying is just, wait a second, before, before that, like, just come back and listen. And I can imagine before having this conversation, mentally preparing myself, I don't have to take this on. My That's only right. role is to just shut up and listen and, and be right. curious and, and come out of this with just an understanding and try to have an understanding of what this person is saying and what they've been through. And then that's it. And that's going to be really hard because a lot of us are just going to sit with that tension and want to fix it, want to justify, want to defend, want to prove that we're not one of the bad guys, whatever that is to right. hear from you that that's not what you, that's not necessarily what works for you is really powerful. And I think, I think you're right to scale it out to some of the other conversations that we've had with our partners. Just sometimes we just want to be heard that curiosity enough is transformative. I've seen that in my own life, just sitting and listening to somebody will, they will experience a transformation. You don't have to be the one that has the good idea to give them. You can just be there to listen. Uh, That's, that's a hundred percent right, man. Um, you know, I even do that on my side. I want to hear, I want to hear the different voices from you know, I hate saying white people because that, that none of us are this big monolithic group, but but you get it. But uh, but I want to hear from different voices, you know, not just, um, you know, what sort is labeled as a liberal or progressive voice. I want to hear conservative voices. You know, I want to hear I want to hear I want to hear everybody. You know, I, I worked with a guy that said, you know, we had a good conversation. He said, look, I'm 60 years old. Shit's changing. My wife and I don't know what to make of all this. You know, I, I grew up in a small town in southern Ohio. Um, you know, my, my my dad didn't like black people. That's what I grew up in. And, you know, I, I've learned to get along and I've learned a lot of stuff. But look, man, I'm I'm scared. I, I This is my world. I can only go so far. You know, I look, I voted for Trump because I'm scared because, you know, I just feel like there's too much change happening. I wanted to hear that. And I felt. I felt it was so powerful that he was able to tell me that and able to share that with me. And I said, hey, man, I understand your world. I understand that. I understand that. I want to feel safe, too. And it was the first time he said, you know, I got to tell you, I, I get the sense you're a pretty liberal guy, but you're the first liberal that's allowed me to talk and you didn't beat me up for not saying it right. And we had a moment like we had a really deep moment and we hugged it out. 
And it was an incredibly deep human moment. And I said, look, man, I, I get it. You got a voice and I, I get it. Um, and we can't move forward if we can't have these conversations. So, you know, this this is just the basis of it, of it's not only listening for white people. And I think that's a, that's great. It's amazing. I think it's I think it is the most amazing thing um, to begin this sort of initial transformative conversation in your relationship with black people. But also on my side. And again, I'm fortunate because this is my perspective and this is what I can do. I want to hear the fears and the feeling of guilt and shame and the, the hesitation the defense, I want to hear all that from the white side, too, because I want to understand that. Because when I started having those conversations and I started understanding that, I started realizing some shit about some of the things that we do on a more progressive side of the black community. Like, for example, I don't ever use the word white privilege, use that phrase. I never use that. It doesn't serve conversation. And I know all the definitions around it. I understand it. But I also know that it doesn't serve a dialogue. In fact, it hurts the dialogue because if you look at this from a human experience, a lot of white people, they've told me and I've said, hey, what, what do you feel? What comes up for you when you hear that? And they're like, look, man, I, I grew up poor and my dad left and we fucking struggled. And, you know, I went through some abuse. My stepdad abused me. I don't want to fucking hear privilege. So it's not serving the conversation. The reason why I listen is because I want to know what serves the conversation. And I feel like if we're interested in moving the conversation forward so we can understand each other and we can all grow because we're here. This is who we are. This is us. We're here. We're trying to deal with the messiness, but we're also trying to move forward in a way that at some point we actually start to care about each other. Um, if we're going to do that, I know that there are certain things I'm not going to say, well, you're privileged. Um, or, you know, uh, or, you know what, you're just being fragile. Like, I'm not going to say that shit. This whole fucking thing's fragile, right? This is a very fragile, fucked up human experience. Um, and there's a lot of intersectionality, um, of cultural stuff and people's family experiences and sexuality. And, you know, there's a lot of shit in this suit, man. So I always feel like if I'm asking people to listen, I got to listen too. And I have to be able because if I listen, I can come to the conversation with skillful means. I can come to the conversation understanding, hey, you might feel a sense of trepidation coming to this conversation. I want to tell you right now, I love you. It's OK. This is messy. You can tell me whatever you want. I don't care how fucked up it sounds. I don't care where you came from. We're human. It's OK. See, I can say that before the conversation even starts. Boom. We got safety mm -hmm. right off the bat. We got safety. Now we can have real conversation and that real conversation is going to deeply affect that person. And that person is going to go back in their communities, whatever, and go, you know what? I think I kind of learned something today, man. And, you know, I, they'll, they'll at least experience some dissonance of like, you know what, man, maybe all black people aren't, but maybe we are all trying to figure this thing out. It opens something up. So I feel a responsibility every time I have that conversation to understand the other side, to listen and empathize with it. And, and bring that to the conversation because I know it's powerful. I know they're going to take that back. I know it'll deeply affect them. And slowly over time, we'll all open up in this thing.
I fucking love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved you before this shit, so I can. <laughs> <laughs> I got tears in my eyes. I'm just, I'm just appreciating you, man. I just appreciating. Glad you're on this planet. Glad I, glad I get to call you friend and. And uh, you, you, you teach me, you know, you teach me, teach me what it means to be human. Yeah. Uh, That's what it's all about, man. That we, I mean, shit, man, we've been friends all these years. You've helped me in some hard times and man, I've learned a shit ton from you and that, you know, that dynamic, that's what it's about, man. That's what it's about. That's what we do. mm -hmm. Oh man. I look at this through like a, a pandemic kind of a thing, which is you get the disease from person to person. And it's like, well, you don't get the disease by watching something on your phone. You know? Right. And it's interesting. Like this, this can, you look at the numbers and like, man, this many people could have this disease within a matter of weeks or something. And we got to lock everything down. Well, it could be pretty powerful to just start having these conversations one at a time and, and not underestimate their power. Um, That's right. Right. I, I I love how you brought it back to that, man. It is infectious. Mm-hmm. It's infectious. Like, you know, like Hannah Gatsby was saying, laughter is, is infectious. Anger is also infectious. Mm-hmm. Right. But these kind of open and presencing conversations are also deeply infectious. Yeah. And it's person to person. It's person to person. So we can light each other up in a different way. Um, so I love, I love that analogy because that's where the work is done. It's done person to person. Yeah. And, and one level, it's one thing to listen to us talk about this, you know, there's that level of things, but I, I want to encourage whoever's listening is like, can you, can you take that next step? Can you find somebody in your life and be willing to face plant? Like, like yeah. not, it's okay not to get it right. You're coming Expect from a good it. place yeah. and just try, just try. Cause I think that that, I, I really do believe in that. Um, I didn't anticipate how, how much of an impact this would be. I talk to people of color regularly, but I don't talk, I don't talk to you, them about this. Right. So uh, yeah. I, I had underestimated that power to, to get out of my assumptions and actually address this thing head on. And it's really uncomfortable, but I want that for, I just inspired like, wow, what would be possible if each and every person just addressed, crossed that threshold and opened up yeah. that channel of communication and know that that topic was on the table just to listen. Um, That's awesome, brother. That's awesome. I mean, it's not easy. And, um, yeah, we're going to face plan. Yeah. And, and that's, that's okay. And actually expected. Yeah. And we can have some humor knowing that we're going to face plan. Part of growth. <laughs> Relationships are messy, man. They're messy, man. They're messy. <laughs> And it's okay. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's broken if it's messy. Exactly. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's broken if it's messy. Expect it to be messy. It's work. Mm -hmm. It's work, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And we got to live here. This is our home. This is our planet, man. We got to live here. Got to do it. If these interviews are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that others can discover the show more easily.